Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my friends in Christ, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. I ask you today, what is the most generous thing someone has ever done for you? What's the most generous thing someone's ever done for you? If I think about that question, it's actually, it's kind of hard to answer. Not because people have not been generous to me, but because there are so many different kinds of generosity. So when I think about how people have been generous to me, I mean, I think of the no-strings-attached monetary gifts that people have given to me throughout my life just simply because they care. I think about the, the gifts that people have given to me just because when I wasn't even asking and it wasn't a holiday. I think of the times where people out of their goodwill have set aside their time to assist me in my projects or in the things that I need help with just simply because they can. There are so many different forms of generosity. Generosity has many different faces and manifestations. Today we are going to begin a three-week sermon series opening this conversation about generosity. And the themes for these three weeks will be our attitudes, our motivations, and our actions regarding generosity. Our attitudes, our motivations, and our actions regarding generosity. Today's theme will be our attitudes. Today we'll be, we will be talking about our attitudes regarding generosity. Now, some of what I want to share with you today uh, is going to be based out of this research study that was done by Barna. Barna is a Christian researching agency, and they were commissioned by Thrivent Financial uh, to put together this research study. I have some statistics that I want to uh, share with you today. Uh, currently, it sounds like we're having some technical difficulties and our things are not uh, going up on the screen. So I'm going to just, for right now, until we get that figured out, uh, I'm going to explain a couple of things to you. Uh, this study that was put together is called the Generosity Gap. And I want to begin with one statistic from this study. And the question was asked to people, how important is generosity to you? How important is generosity to you? And these were, just, just so you know, these are Christian people who are being asked. Christian people who are being asked, how important is generosity to you? And then they break it down into different age categories. Between the, the millennials, the Gen Xers, the boomers, and the elders. And here's what, here's what this means. Millennials are people, according to this research, who were born somewhere between 1980 and the year of 2000. All right. Uh, Gen Xers, they say, would be like the next 20 years from 1980 to 1960. You're a baby boomer if you're born somewhere between like 1946 and 1964. And if you were born between 1946, you know what that makes you? An elder. Okay. All right. But across the board, across the board, when asked, when people were asked, how important is generosity to you? They were given the options. It is extremely important. It's very important. It's somewhat important or it's not important at all. 
By the vast majority across the age spectrum, Christian people answered, it is at least very important for Christian people to be generous. To be generous. Now, but to get a good handle on this generosity thing, let's, let's think about the spelling of generosity just for a minute. If you don't know how it's spelled, it's printed for you on the front of your bulletin. All right? So we can look at the, the word generosity. How is generosity spelled? It begins with these letters, G-E-N. Right? G-E-N. What are some other words that begin with G-E-N? Uh, genius. Uh, uh, let's see, Genesis, generation. Those first three letters, G-E-N, that prefix actually goes all the way back to the Greek language, and that prefix actually um, means something's origins, where something comes from, okay? So the word generosity in the English language actually at one point meant someone who is of noble birth, Okay? So someone who was of noble birth, that was where they came from, that was their origins. And people of noble birth would have looked a certain way, acted a certain way, right? Been a certain kind of way. So throughout time then in the English language, generosity just sim simply started to mean someone who exhibits the characteristics of someone of noble birth. Right? So if you kind of give of yourself, or if you have that air about you, that you are a giving type of person. Right? So that is what generosity means. It has to deal with origins, where things come from. So it is good and right for us, if we're talking about generosity, to go to another word that begins with those same three letters. The book of Genesis in our Bible. Genesis means the beginning. Right? So in the book of Genesis... Chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, we had it read for us today, but that is the story of Cain and Abel. Now, what do we see in this story of Cain and Abel? We see that Cain and Abel, they are the sons of Adam and Eve, and in this story, they bring offerings to God. Cain, he worked the ground. That's what he did as his job, his occupation, his vocation, if you will. He worked the ground. And so for his offering, he brought some fruit. We don't know a lot about this fruit, other than that it says he brought some fruit. His younger brother Abel, he was a sheep herder, a shepherd. He took care of sheep. That's what he did. So for his offering, he brought a sheep. But he brought the firstborn sheep, and he brought the fattiest portion of the firstborn sheep. What does that mean? It means that Abel brought the best of the best, okay? We don't necessarily know what Cain's fruit was like, but it does say that Abel's was, in a way, the best of the best. And then what happens? God is not pleased with Cain's offering, and God is pleased with Abel's offering. Cain gets upset, he gets angry, and what does he do? You know the story? He kills his brother. That's not the end of the story, and we are going to conclude it in a little bit. But at this point of the story, here's what I find to be interesting. If you think about it at this point, at this point in the story, um, if you look in the Bible, God had not yet written down and commanded and instructed his people in how they should give offerings and sacrifices. 
That whole thing, that whole offering sacrificial system doesn't come until much later with Moses, hundreds of years later. So Cain and Abel are bringing offerings to God just simply because they are. And in their offerings to God, what are they doing? They are acknowledging that what they have has come from God. And so they are returning what has been given to them first to God and then to themselves, right? So in their offering, if we talk again about generosity being the acknowledgement of where things come from in the first place, they are returning to God what he has given to them in the first place. Think about it like this. For us, when we give generously, what we are doing is acknowledging that everything that we have to give comes from God in the first place. You don't have anything to give. No matter what kind of gift you're going to give, whether it be a financial gift or a gift of your time or a gift of your talents, you don't have anything to give that was not first given to you by God. Everything you have comes from him. You and I are simply managers of God's gifts to be dispersed and distributed in the world. We are managers of God's gifts to be distributed and dispersed in this world. Now, thinking again about generosity. Today I wanted to talk about our attitudes regarding generosity. And again, um, this, this study that was done by, by the Barna Group, the reason behind it was because there was a different perception regarding the attitudes of generosity between pastors and what their people were actually doing. So Thrivent Financial, which I think a lot of you are familiar with, Thrivent is a, a, finan- a Christian with Lutheran root financial investment firm. Thrivent was hearing from pastors and other church leaders throughout the world. They were getting uh, kind of complaints from these church leaders saying, you know what? The millennial generation is not as generous as the generations that have come before. Now, if you, can, if you read into it a little bit, what the, what the church leaders were saying was, these young people don't give enough money. <laughs> All right? So Thrivent was hearing this, and they were thinking to themselves, you know what, this probably isn't true. It's probably not necessarily true that across the board, millennials aren't generous. And so they reached out to the Barna Group, this prolific uh, Christian researching arm, to do some research and find out whether or not it's true, whether or not millennials are indeed less generous than the rest of people. And what they found out in this research study is that across the board, not just between pastors and people, but also between the different generations, there are many different attitudes about generosity. How important generosity is, but also why be generous and and how to live out generosity. So if I were to ask you all here, you probably also have different answers about this generosity thing. So what are Christians' attitudes about generosity? Well, I told you first and foremost, when asked how important is generosity to you, the vast majority of Christians across the age spectrum say it's very, very important. But 
how is generosity lived out? And why do people say they are generous? But here's a list of reasons why people say they are generous. All right? Here are some reasons people say they are generous. To reflect God's character by showing love to others. To give back in appreciation for God's generosity towards us. To become more like Christ. Uh, Because our time and resources don't belong to us. Uh, We want to show faith in God to provide for our needs. We want to build God's kingdom through community. We give because we're commanded to be generous, or we contribute to solve the needs of the world's problems. All right, if you were listening to that, maybe you'd hear all of those things and say, those are actually all good reasons to be generous. And every single thing that I just said is actually biblically defensible and very Christian, uh, and Christian Orthodox belief. But what you believe about why you should be generous actually probably affects how you are generous. All right, out of all those things I just said, the, the number one thing that people said kind of across the age spectrum, most people answered like this. They say we want to be generous because we want to reflect God's character by showing love to others. All right? But if you were to ask people, the, the answers are spread all over the place. But if I were to ask you a different question, how then do you actually live out generosity? What are some generous things that you can do? Again, I have another list for you, so pay close attention, all right? Here are some options, and as I say these things, think about what would you say out of these is the, would you say is the most generous thing that you could do? Taking care of someone who is sick, volunteering for an organization, signing up to be an organ donor, giving $40 to a homeless person, talking to or smiling at a stranger, donating $40 to an organization, helping someone move, giving $40 to a church, babysitting for free, teaching Sunday school, or driving someone to the airport. What would you say out of all those things is the most generous thing you could do? Overwhelmingly, actually, across the age spectrum, the vast majority of people say that the most generous thing they could do is take care of someone who is sick. Take care of someone who is sick. So what would you say? How would you express your generosity? Better yet, how do you express your generosity? And maybe another important question to ask today is, how do we even learn to become generous in the first place? How do we learn about this generosity thing? So I want to provide you with one more little piece of research. The vast majority of people who say, these are Christian people who say that that generosity is extremely important to them, they also said that generosity was extremely important to their parents. Okay? So people who say generosity is extremely important to me also answer, my parents believed that generosity is extremely important. And then of these people who say generosity is extremely important, two-thirds of them say that within the last week they talked about generosity in their home, either to their children or to their spouse. So if you say generosity is extremely important to me, 
you're probably also talking about generosity in your home, with your spouse, or with your children. So how is generosity learned? It is taught in the home, and it is modeled in the home. It is taught, and it is modeled. And so today, and next week, and the week after that, the reason that we're doing this series on generosity is I want to teach you I want to teach you what the scriptures say about generosity, and we're also going to have some opportunities for us to model this generosity, but we'll get to that in just a minute. If you think about this parental connection between our view of generosity and our parents' view, it's kind of interesting if we get back to that story of Cain and Abel. See, with Cain and Abel, Cain actually took after his parents, right? What was the sin of Adam and Eve? They were tempted to be like God, right? To turn inward, to be selfish, to say, you know what? Actually, God, what you've given to me in perfection is not good enough, right? They turned inward. What was Cain's sin? Selfishness turned inwards. How did God handle Adam's sin? He kicked him out of the garden. He told him that his work was now going to be painful and troublesome, What was Cain's punishment? He was kicked out of the land. He was told that his work was now going to be painful and troublesome. How did God handle then the situation with Adam? He marked him as a sinner. He was exiled from the garden. Yet also there, even in the very beginning, Adam was marked as one who would be saved and protected and redeemed by the Messiah. Even there in the very beginning, that promised Messiah was talked about. How did God deal with Cain's situation? He was marked, literally marked, as a sinner, branded as a sinner. But he was also marked as one protected by God. God was going to make sure that Cain was not killed. Marked as a sinner, but also marked as somebody who was saved. You know what? You and I, we're actually more times than not, much more like Cain than we are like Abel, if we're honest with ourselves. Due to our sinful, selfish nature, more often than not, we turn inwards and we live in a world full of Cain's. We are marked for death because of our sin, and yet we bear a greater mark, the mark of the cross of Jesus Christ, that mark which says, death does not get victory over you, life does. Forgiveness does. God laid down his life in the form of his son Jesus so that you and I may have life and have it to the full. Forgiveness is yours this day. You are forgiven and set free every single moment. Those of you who are baptized bear another mark. That mark that has washed you clean of your sin, you are marked as one redeemed by Jesus and him crucified, guaranteeing to you forgiveness and eternal life. We are marked, yes, as sinners, but marked even greater as saved by Jesus. Here's what I want you to hear today. When we talk about generosity, again, that word means we acknowledge the origin of our giving. And so today, what I want you to hear is that God is the giver of all. All things, all life, all provision of life, all protection of life, all eternal life. Where does it come from? Not from you and me, but from our gracious God who guarantees to us this eternal life 
through Jesus Christ. From God, all things have their beginning. Therefore, in generosity, when we are being generous, we are acknowledging that fact that all comes from him. Therefore, when we live generous lives, we're actually worshiping and praising our almighty God because of what he has given to us today. Again, we are managers of all of God's gifts for the disbursement and distribution in this world. Today, as we embark on this conversation about generosity, I do want to be clear with you. We are not doing this. We are not doing this because I'm trying to guilt you into giving more money. All right? Let me be clear with you. I've I've heard way too many of those kinds of sermons. I'm not here to guilt you into giving more money. We are going to, over the next two weeks, talk a little bit about money and what what the, the, the scriptures say about financial giving. We are going to talk about it, but purely from a teaching standpoint. So I'm going to be clear that I'm not guilting you into giving money. And to be even more clear about that, I'm not asking for your money today. And as a matter of fact, if you are here today, we're actually going to give you money. All right? If you are here in worship today, you get $2. Yeah, you get $2, all right? So during the offering, as the offering plates are passed, our ushers are also going to pass a box of envelopes down the row. I want you to take out an envelope. Every single person who is here, whether if you're breathing, even if you can't talk yet and you're small, you get $2. We call this the $2 challenge. We did it two years ago. And I want to ask you, what can you do with two? What can you do with two? You can read the gospel lesson today again and see what Jesus had to say about a woman who gave two, but everybody gets two. The rules are written for you on the envelope, but essentially, here are the rules. You get two dollars. You can add to those two dollars five dollars. No more than $5 to go and do something wonderful, powerful, bold in the name of Jesus for the sake of someone else. Why two? Because some of you have tremendous wealth, right? And you hear about $2 and you say, $2? I can do better than that. No, two. Use two. See what God can do through you with two. Again, the rules are written on the envelope. I'm asking if, if you can, if you're, if you're willing to submit stories of what you have done, um, and we'd love to share those stories uh, throughout the coming weeks. Two years ago we did this, and we have a website uh, built where you can read some stories if you need some inspiration. That link is printed for you in the bulletin. So that's what we're going to do. You're going to get $2, but here's the deal. I'm, I'm telling you, go and give it all, right? And you're probably going to be okay with giving it all. You know what? If you need the $2, keep the $2. Seriously, okay? But most of you are going to probably say, I have no problem giving this $2. I didn't have it in the first place, right? Think about that. That is everything, everything you have. It was not yours in the first place. God has given it to you, everything, your time, your talents, your treasures. Why? to go and to be generous, acknowledging where it's come from for the sake of the other, and in so doing, you worship your almighty God and you live according to his good gifts for you. So I ask you again today, what is your attitude about generosity? Next week when you come back, we're going to talk about our motivations for being generous. So I encourage you to come back. I'm going to pray for you this week that God is going to open doors for you to do remarkably wonderful, generous things with just $2.
You're being my prayers. Pray for me as well. My family's going to be doing the same thing. We come back next week. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.